Hey, you're listening to Chew On That, and here's what we're chewing on today. You and I can talk about everybody else's life, but we can only change ours. In fact, in all my years of being a pastor, I've never been able to make anyone do anything. I can only make suggestions. Life change, that's an inside job. At some point, you need to ask yourself if you'd be ready to go to heaven if you were to die today. Doing that will help you do two things. Focus on where you are right now and stop making excuses. So in this series, I want to talk about five key things we need to do to regain the peace and joy we once had. And they're really just simple guidelines that you can use to start living in a way that will create a godly and peaceful life. Just some practical, hopefully helpful ways to help us smile again. I want to kick off this series today with a message we're calling Discover Real Joy. Hey, hi, my name is Pastor Scott. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church here in Green Bay, and you're joining us for the Chew on That podcast where we dig deeper into the most recent sermon for the most current sermon series happening at Life Church in Green Bay. And it happens to be a new series for us called Smile Again. And we launched this week with Pastor Sean's preaching a message on joy. And I'm so excited that you're joining us for the Chew on That for that. Today, joining me is my very good friend, Lori Serrato. Say hi, Lori. Hello. It's so good to have you here today. Well, I'm so excited to be yeah. here. Lori was like all super surprised that I would even ask her. And like, she's like one of the brightest people I know. And so I'm surprised that she's surprised. And so, uh, but Lori, maybe people don't know you like I know you. So maybe just share a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Um, well, so I've been attending Life Church for a couple years. I am married. I've got three kids. I own my own business. And what kind of business do you own? Oh, well, um, <laughs> it's an online business. It's it's unique, so it's tricky to explain, but I, I teach see. resiliency skills classes to kids and parents online. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It's pretty cool. Like, what's an example of a kid like you might be able to help? Like, I love this idea. Oh my gosh. I, I'm at almost a thousand kids who've attended You're my classes. You're lying right now. No. It's, You're a big deal. Well, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think my favorite class is um, some emotion regulation skills, like- uh, giving kids an actual tool that's really simple, but they can pay attention to how they're experiencing different moments and and kind of question, how can I help myself calm down or feel better and, and giving them those tools. Wait, I totally need that. Like this morning, like I'm telling you, this morning, my 12-year-old, right, it's time to go to school. They go to school Mondays and Tuesdays now. And so like I go up there and I'm not yelling at them, get your butt out of bed. Like it's just like, I'm like all sweet and kind and holding yeah. them, right? Right. And he's like, mean to me. He's like, rah, rah. like he's just crabby because it's morning, right? He doesn't want to get up yeah, or whatever. Sure. But like, he's like super mean to me. And I'm like, Hey, you can't talk to me like that. Like what's God not even being mean to you. And I feel like as I left him, I'm like, I wish he had like a better sense of how to cope or how to like, you know what I mean? Like sure. how to deal with, like I get being like, I'm crabby when I wake up too. Right. So like, right. but then I, but then I feel like I've being an adult, I've got the context where I could say, hey, just stay away from me here for a second. It's not got nothing to do with you. I just got to come out of my sleep for mm -hmm. a second, right? So like yeah. maybe just aim needs to figure that out instead of like biting my head off. But like that makes, <laughs> so what it does is it triggers me. I'm like, fine, I'll just be a jerk to you back. <laughs> right. You know? Right, it, yeah. Uh, it, I, and I love working with the kids, um, but I do want to expand it to include the whole entire family. Because um, I, I have a background as being a marriage and family therapist. So I see. that's kind of my world right now. But um, um Scott, yeah. if you don't mind, no. I was hoping we could play a little bit of a game. All right, let's play a game. Get to know you. I love games. I love the game Two Truths and a Lie. Okay. 
Um, I'm hoping you'll play around. But I will. I, I've got a round prepared. Okay. Just because instead go of giving first. my bio. Okay. So how about this one? She's got no cards, you guys. Oh, yeah. What oh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. So number one, 10 years ago, you'd most likely find me in San Diego on either a Navy or Marine Corps base or at the gym. So that's number one. Okay. Number two, in high school, I was voted most likable or... Number three, uh, I started going to Life Church a couple years ago because I was feeling pretty powerless due to a legal battle. Wow. Yeah. So I'm going to guess which two are the truth and which one's a lie. Just tell me which one's the lie. See, that's tricky though, because if I say one that I think might be a lie, then that doesn't seem very nice. <laughs> no. <laughs> Go for it. So like, I feel like something, I don't know. Something in about how you carry yourself makes me think that you might have been a military spouse or a military kid. And so that's why I think that that might be a truth. And so, and then, like, I love that story. There's a lot of rawness to the story, but like, I came to Life Church because I was struggling, right? So I feel like the lie is that you were like the most popular girl in school. Or what was the one with me? Maybe that's I said totally that wrong. the lie. Is it really? Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was far from. Most likable. Really? I'm, I'm totally a recovering awkward person. You're lying. I, I know I am. I, oh, <laughs> so I'm, just... I'm really hoping I do a good job. I add some value to the audience here today. I'm sure today. you will. I'm but, sure you will. So yeah. t- where, did you go, where did you grow up? I grew up in San Diego. Oh. Yeah. As a military kid? No, actually. Um, I just grew up there. Oh. Uh, but my husband, I met in college in San Diego, and he joined the Navy. Gotcha. You guys have something in common yep. with being on submarines. Yes, right. Yeah. So, so where did you, wait, where did you go to college? UC San Diego. Oh, I love that campus. Yeah. Mm. And, then, <laughs> and, then where, and then where did you go to high school there? I went to Scripps Ranch High School. Of course. Which, if you know anything about podcasting, I think you might. Do you know Pat Flynn? Like I, the podcast guru? Yeah, yeah. I went to school with him. You're lying. No, I sure did. We were in a lot of classes together. We're both That's kind of insane. that quiet, studious type. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. Huh. Well, now that you let the cat out of the bag about what I did in the Navy, so this is not my <laughs> oh, two truths oh, and a lie. Sorry. Okay. Are you ready for your round? Well, I thought I was because I was going to talk about how I... One of my jobs was driving a submarine, but now you probably would guess that that's probably true. Let me think of something. Okay, so I'm going to think of another one. I'm going to think of another one. I'm going to think of another one. Okay, so uh, I've had a lot of jobs. And so the jobs that I've had uh, include um, being a uh, quarter pounder cook at the McDonald's. Okay. Um, being... Uh, car hop at a drive-in, like you know, like where you pull up and then people come out and take your order and that kind of thing. Were you on roller skates? Well, I was a car hop, <laughs> and then the the third, I sold uh, life insurance. So okay. one, nope. Wait, hang on. Those are all true. <laughs> <laughs> I screwed up the game. <laughs> Oh man, I thought famous I knew people, the answer. <laughs> famous people I've met mm. uh, um, that I've hugged. Okay. Mm, nope. Famous people I've, I'm s- really crappy at this game. It, it's hard. Sorry. No, that, I didn't have note cards coming. Right. And you should see your handwriting. It's all like infinitesimal small, like and it's perfect. And it's, oh my gosh, she's such a nerd. So people, 
Famous people that I've met. Okay. Include. Uh, Brett Favre. Include Tony Danza. Include Pat Boone. Okay, so one's a lie? One's a lie. Tony Danza. <gasps> That's true. I'm oh. suck at this game. <laughs> Why would I have ever met Tony Danza? That's like the, that was like the craziest <laughs> name I could think of just then. Well, I did meet Pat Boone. Do you even know who Pat Boone is? I no, feel like that's no why way. I didn't guess that one. <laughs> <laughs> that shows you how old I am. Let's play you another round. Let's do you another round. Really, another yeah, one? Yeah, let's do another okay, one. Okay, okay. I'll try and make it fast. How about this one? I had like a really lovely kind of dream wedding when I married my husband 13 years ago. Uh, my dad grew up uh, on a farm here in the Midwest or, and uh, I'm super fascinated with the brain and mental resilience. Your dad grew up on a farm in the Midwest. That's true. <gasps> no way. It is true. Your wedding sucked? <laughs> oh, you don't like brains. No, no, no. <laughs> no. No, the wedding one is the lie. Oh, okay. I did get married 13 years ago, but- um. We did not have a wedding. Well, we later we kind of had a party, but um, really what happened is we had a deadline of, um, oh gosh, there's a so long story. I, I don't want to get into it because I know we have more important stuff to talk about, but we got married on a Tuesday afternoon in our apartment from a justice of the peace. We had to get married before Saturday so I could get in-state tuition in grad school. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> so I love that. It was um, us and my mom flew out on a red eye the night before because we were in New Hampshire. That was it. That's crazy. Wait, he was in the military in New Hampshire? He was in the Navy in New Hampshire? Yeah. What's there in New Hampshire? There's a, a dry dock. Oh. Like kind of shipyard. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Huh. Yeah. We also, like, no. so I've been married twice. And so the first time I got married, I was still in the Navy. And that was also kind of like cobbled together because we, um, uh, the, the people on the sub base and the submarine base wouldn't marry us in the church because- oh we were pregnant and I'm like, hmm. well, we can't be the first Navy guy that's, that's ever gotten a girl pregnant and wants to get married. Like that can't be the first thing True. anyway, but they wouldn't let us do that. And so huh. we get married at like this storefront place called the fountain of love, except it had like the French term, <laughs> the words like, like fountain d'amour or something like that. And so it was like this crazy lady and she had all this facial hair. Like that's all <laughs> I could see. So she kept staring at like her mustache was like thicker than mine at the time. Oh, that is and memorable. It was. Yeah. And so the only people there were my parents and her parents and then my best friend, Jared, who was like this, uh, like punk rock quartermaster and like just loved Sid Vicious and loved the Ramones. And so like he came, he had like, I, I like eyeliner on, for, he was like the best man at our wedding with eyeliner on. And I remember going from the ceremony and then we ate at the hotel intercontinental at that time, that was like the fanciest place in town. You could go get something. Dinner it was like yeah. a glassy place in San Diego. Anyway, but wow. we, we rode, my wife rode in the backseat, pregnant in the backseat. And then <laughs> he and I sat in the front seat and we were like screaming the lyrics to Roxanne, like the police's Roxanne all the way down uh, the streets of San Diego on my wedding <laughs> night. Anyway, San Diego's great. I, I do like San Diego. <laughs> anyway. So, Hey, let's talk about Sean's message. I would love do you have to. notes about that too? Of course I do. Oh my gosh. Man, she is so super duper prepared, you guys. And I'm like, the, I'm like, I'm not prepared at all. The enemy, he's the great hunter of our joy. It's 
one of the things he wants desperately to eradicate from our lives. Because if he can steal our joy, it creates a domino effect that puts us in danger of losing our peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It puts us in danger of losing our fruit. Yeah, I love that because I, um, you know, he's talking about those things that are the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, right? Like he's just talking about the good things that, that a life of faith and a life of love God will bring to us in our lives. And he's like, Satan wants to steal those things from us because they're more, you know, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, somethingness, somethingness, and self-control. The more of that in there is in the world, the less Satan has to get a foothold in or a handhold on. And so like Satan's always trying to like disrupt that in our lives. And I feel like that's not the story of Satan that like I learned when I was a kid. I, like, it, like Satan was like a evil goblin that wanted to devour me or that wanted to like, you know, or tempt me. Like no one ever told me that, that Satan's playground was my mind and my anxiety or my fears or my or my like f- like feeling like I'm not good enough. Like no one told me that that's where Satan plays. Like I was just waiting for fit pitchforks and horns and you know forked tails and stuff. Like that's what I was waiting for. Right. Not waiting for Satan to tell me a lie. And that's exactly what he does. That's how. So if he can take away our joy, he takes away all of our power. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean if. If joy is the thing that that the devil's going after, isn't that the thing we should most protect? And right. and I don't know if people, the majority of people, realize that that that's what we need to protect a, a lot, the most. You know, more than our money or you know right. our property. That yeah, sort yeah, because that stuff. I mean, you can always make more money, or you can always get yeah. more time, or you can always, I mean, maybe not time, but like I mean, you can always make up the difference. Right. You know, except when it comes to joy, or you know, like. And the joy that we get out of our kids or out of our families or out of our like meaningful relationships, like that's, that's irreplaceable. And so like once you, right. once you lose that or damage that, it's hard to put that back together. It's hard to regain control of that. And so when I think about people that like feel like they don't have joy in their life or feel like they've given up on joy and like so they've gone down roads that are more destructive in their life, like whether those are addictions of any sort or you know, just difficult I don't know, behavior or decisions. I'm like, oh, that's a long way back from that. Like, that's a long way back to zero. You know, and that's just getting you back to zero. Plus you got to, like, how do you rebuild those relationships then? And so, yeah. like, I, Joyce, I love that you said that. Like, it, we should be fiercely protecting that. Like, it should be like our most sacred thing, our most valuable thing. Right. And and for me, I think about resilience. I mean, that's my world of what yeah. I study all yeah. the time and and thinking about um, not just when we are facing adversity. I th- I like to think of prevention and how to use resilience um, mm. as a prevention method. Yeah. Um, and I think resilience and hope and joy, they all come together. And um, we know, I mean, from the Bible and also from research and brain right. research that there are proven things you can do to increase your joy and it just takes a willingness to to have a go at it. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about what it is we can do. I, I can yeah. I can give a few yeah. tips. Yeah, yeah. don't ever let, don't ever wait for me to. <laughs> you just keep, use your words. I can give kind of like three core yeah core steps, and and I hope this I think this aligns with yep. um, what Pastor Sean is talking about. But but one resilient people accept that. Bummer stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to cuss. Yeah. <laughs> say, yeah. say it no, any I other way. It. But yep. like um, having that acceptance, knowing that so that you're not surprised when it does. Because because the worst thing is when 
Um, I mean, not that you want to like have a negative outlook, like expecting the worst type thing, but, but just know that, you know, bad things happen and, and don't play victim too much, you know, like understand that it happens to everyone. And, um, I think for me, like in in my, I've, you know, we've all had adversity, right. Um, one that defined me quite a lot or, or shaped me a lot was, uh, my dad passed away when I was very young, I was 12 Mm. and it was, it was unexpected. And, uh, but from that, I, cause I don't, I'm not sure I view myself as a resilient kid back at, in that time, which sure. is kind of what drives me now to help kids become yeah. more resilient. But, but the one thing I know I had going for me is I, I never felt like, why me? And I think that protected me in a lot of ways and helped me just kind of move forward. Um, and I, I think, you know, when people can really just accept, you know, stuff happens, um, that that's going to be a, a good starting point. Yeah, I love that. I love so that, that's point one. I don't, that's I'm not sure when I can jump in because Anytime. I feel like why me is a bottomless pit. I feel like you would never get out of the why me hole because once you start questioning why me, then then again, this is where our brain takes over and we can get into this like cycle of just like asking that question over and over and then creating these narratives, these stories, these reasons why that don't actually exist, but it's easy for us to imagine that they exist and then they become very real. And so, and then there are reality. And so even though they might not be the reality, there are reality. And so this, why me? And I must be, and oh, it's gotta be because of this. And like, that's a bottomless pit. That's difficult to get out of, as you could imagine. Like there's, what's the ladder out of the why me pit, you know? And so like, I love that you said that. And I love that even in this first point where you talk about resiliency and, and joy and something all go together. I wasn't sure what you said. Hope. Hope. Right, because they're the same. Th- I mean, they're not the same thing, but they're they're like integrated. They might as well be the same thing. That mm-hmm. that that resiliency is made up of hope and joy, and hope and joy mm-hmm. is made up because you can be resilient. But you only have resilience because you have hope, right? Because and you mm-hmm. know that you have hope because you have joy, right? So you're like, they're just like you know, there's <laughs> yeah. just like they just kind of like it's like that game when I was uh, playing football. We would do, I don't even remember what this was called now, but there was like three guys. And then like they would stand up and then they would roll. And then like once the first guy rolled, the other guy would jump over that guy and roll. But then the next guy, it was kind of like a braid. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. And so, oh yeah, braid's probably a better example. <laughs> I could have just said the braid. Anyway, but I feel like that's like, they, I love that idea of resiliency, hope, and joy, that they're a braid, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think joy gives you inner strength. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So point number two. Right. Point number two. Um, well, and, and this is kind of oh, going off of what you yep. were saying too. I use the word, because I'm working with young kids, stinking thinking. That's yeah. my phrase for those thoughts, those negative thoughts. Or, um, yeah, I love that. The clinical words, thought distortions. Um, oh, yeah, a kid wouldn't get that. I wouldn't get that. No, no, no. No yeah, one yeah. wants to be told they have a thought distortion. Right. So I call it stinking thinking just to be yeah. a little silly with it. But, you know, everyone has, has thoughts that just pop into your mind. and um, But you have a choice of what you believe or what you uh, throw out, perhaps, or maybe just shift a little bit. Um, and so point number two really is about directing your thinking um, or directing even your attention. And um, so, you know, there's lots of strategies around that, but but directing your attention and, and I think this also falls into like gratitude and noticing what's going right mm. in your life. And yeah. um, one thing, you know, like I like this whole research stuff. I, there's this really fascinating study and I, I kind of use this with kids as well to illustrate this, but... Um, there's this study where they had, um, people look at a computer screen and, and they're watching a video of people playing basketball or, or 
not like the real game, but like bouncing a basketball back sure. and forth. And their, their goal was to count how many times the ball was passed back and forth. And so they were paying really close attention to that so they could get the number right. But what happened is during that, some guy came out in a gorilla suit and like walked across the screen. So these, the people watching the video, like they are seeing this, it's front of their, in front yeah, of their face. Yeah. But then um, the researcher questioned them if anything weird happened in the video and and a lot of them did not see the gorilla. Oh my like, gosh. You would think, right? Yeah. Don't you assume that if something's in front of your face, you actually see it? Yeah, especially if yeah. it's a gorilla. Yeah, Right. a man dressed like a gorilla. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. And so we we believe that everything in front of us we're actually seeing, uh, perceiving, you know, but that's not really true. And so pausing and reminding yourself to actually give attention to those things that are already around you that are, I don't know, make your life better or more pleasant or lovely. Um, it, it makes a huge difference and it's a habit that you can develop. Yeah, I dig that. It reminds me, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I had a, a, a taught and we, in talking about that, sometimes we get fixated on our stinking thoughts or something. So like, and then that thing becomes so big because we're so fixated on it. Like we're, we're paying so much attention to it. We're holding it so close to our face so we can see every last nook and cranny of this thing that's bothering us or hurting us or, you know, failing us or whatever it is. And so it's so close that we, that it becomes disproportionate in size. Like when you hold up anything close to your eye, like it's like, oh my gosh, that's so big. And so like, you can't see anything. You can't see the guy in the gorilla suit because you're so fixated on how big this problem is. But in fact, if you held it at an arm's length, right? Or a normal distance from you, you'd be like, okay, well, I, I can see it now that this is a normal size problem. It's not as big as I think that it is. I was just, I was holding it too close. I was looking at it too closely that I didn't notice all this other great stuff that was happening. Right. Like the guy in the gorilla suit. Right. Because how is that not great? I feel like a guy in a gorilla suit is always like a- I, I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And also maybe even asking yourself, you know, is that thought true or could there be possibly more information I just don't have? Mm. I think, you know, letting yourself realize there might be more perspective you could have. Like there's probably just more information I'm not seeing in this moment and giving yourself that space and time to, to pull back and yeah. maybe move from a different perspective around it. Yeah, examine it, be the boss of your brain is another way I like to explain it. Like yeah. you can talk back to your thoughts. You don't have to just believe them. Yeah. It reminds me sometimes when I'm talking to people, I'm not a counselor. I'm not anything like that. Like, I, but I'll tell people what I've gone through, you know, and, and I've, it's funny that you talk about silly ways to describe it because I feel like I talk in a silly way a lot. I'm not <laughs> sure why that's true. Like, I just feel like, I don't know, it's just part of my thing. Like I'll just, I like to speak simply and plainly. And so, um, but I'll talk about how like there's sometimes I'll find myself in a room in my mind. Like in the, and that room is like upside down, right? Like where the chandeliers on the floor and the chairs are on the ceiling and there's worry and there's despair and there's narratives and there's everything else. But it's like, I'm the boss of that. Like nothing, I'm not strapped into you know, right. that room, I'm not tied up in that room. Like I can just walk out of that room at any time. Like, you know, and I, yeah. so I feel like we have to do that. Like I always, I'm always encouraged to be like, Hey, just walk out of that room of neuroses or, or anxiety or depression. Like I'm not, I'm not saying you can walk away from those things, but you can walk out of that room for a second. Like just leave the space in your mind. And if you have to leave your actual space, like do that, but do something yeah. that changes your environment so sure. you can change the environment in your mind. So you're just, you're not sitting in that place. Cause sometimes we'll sit there because it's easy just to stay there and let let that yeah. you know things spin out you know right. and like it's just and I mean I don't know what it is about us as as humans that we that we could sit in there for a long time at least I can I could like I could start worrying about right. something and make up stories about it and I'll sit in there a long long time 
and make up stuff that's just not true. And I have to mm-hmm. like get up and walk myself out. I can I can yell at that stuff. I w- was talking to some kid the other day, a young man, sorry. Again, this is me using silly language, but I was talking to a young man the other day and I was like, there's been times in my life where I've, where I've like, where I've, I've cursed Satan in my mind. Like I'd be like, get the bleep, 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 bleep out of my head. Like I just felt like I had to do that. Like I just, yeah. you know what I mean? And so like, I'm not saying that, that you should walk around doing that because then people <laughs> might invite you to go stay at a hospital for a while. But like, I feel like I, but I've done that. I've done that in my bedroom. Like sure. where I, I, yeah. I caught myself being all caught up and cycling or spinning out. And I, yeah. I had to do it. I had to like, you know. Yeah. And if that's helpful, then you yep. should do it for yeah. sure. Which actually that's kind of my third point. Oh, perfect. Is Great segue. Asking yourself, is this, whatever you're doing, is this helping me or is this hurting me? And yeah. kind of having that constant reflection of, is this genuinely helping me? And not just like in this next hour, but like yeah. a little bit more longer term than that. Is that really going to help me or is that still hurting me? Um, and having that reflection, I think, is going to be important, too, to bring you back to joy. Yeah, I love that. I love, love, love that. That was good. We could be done right now. That was <laughs> that was absolutely fantastic. But, you know, there's these stuffy people. The, the religion's always filled with stuffy people who have problems with good stuff. And so these like there's been, like, a lot of stuffy religious people who have posed the question, like, well, why was Jesus at this wedding? And, <laughs> well, that's easy. He was at the wedding because he was invited. And he wasn't invited because he was a celebrity. This is the pre-miracle Jesus. He hadn't done a single public miracle yet. He was still in the cut. He, He was invited to the wedding because people liked him. They liked his personality and the warmth of his conversation, the sound of his voice and the sparkle in his eye and the love that radiated from his life. Yeah. We were talking um, at Life Church downtown last night because we have a discussion period at the end of the message, and we were talking about this topic. And I was I was trying to say, like, that's the Jesus that I want to try to be like. Like, I want to be the kind of Jesus that people like to be around, that people um, invite to things, not because I need to be included, but because I'm like, I want to be so special. Again, all this sounds really bad now that I've got it outside my head, but like, I like I want to I want to make people feel special. Right? Like that's the part that I want. That people are like, I want more of Scott because I like how I feel when I'm around Scott. Because I yeah. feel like that's who Jesus was. And I love how Sean describes him that way, that he doesn't describe Jesus as being strictly a person that, you know, was just, I don't know, always holy. He was by his nature always holy, but he didn't yeah. have to like, I don't know, walk holy or talk holy or just the fact just being around him was holy. You know, and I feel like we can all do that. That's the thing that we can all accomplish, mm-hmm. you know, if we just focus a little less on being super hyper-religious and a little bit more super hyper-loving, you know? Absolutely. And I was really excited for this one because I was thinking about, well, who stands out to me as being like this? And and it's you, Scott. Oh, stop you it. You are the person who came to my mind. I think this describes you perfectly. Mm. I, I mean, I really admire you because you— you seem to connect and just love everyone like Jesus does. And you always talk about how you want to be like that, but I, I see you that way. Oh my gosh. Totally do. Hmm. And um, I think another another thing about this is is just all of us. We like people who like us, Yeah. right? So if, yep. if you can find a way to find at least a little something in everyone that you like, they're going to like you back. Yeah, for sure. 
And why, like, it doesn't cost us anything to be that. It doesn't cost us anything to be joyful or loving or kind or giving or charitable. Like, it doesn't cost us anything. Like, you don't have to actually give money away to be charitable. You can be charitable with your words or with your energy or with your positivity. Like, there's just, it doesn't cost anything to be the kind of person that Jesus was or the kind of person that Jesus asks us to be. And it's really just a matter, because one of the questions that came up this week was like, what stops you from doing what Jesus tells you to do? Because in here, in this message, Sean talks about how Mary said, just do whatever he tells you to do. And so in in discussions, one was like, what stops you from doing that? And like, people were talking about like, I don't know if I want to be all super Jesus-y in front of my family because they'll judge me or I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's what Jesus is asking us to do. I feel like Jesus is asking us to like include people and to be kind to them and be, and be compassionate with them or empathetic towards them or sympathetic at them. Or, I mean, just like, like when I look at who Jesus was, like he was always just giving of himself, like never, you know, never standoffish, never, you know, like stay away from me. I'm super holy. Like you can't touch me or you can't, like he was always putting himself out there. And I feel like as Jesus people, we could go a long way towards accomplishing what God is asking us to do by just putting ourselves out there. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, the words were like warmth, sparkle, love radiated. And, um, now, of course, I think when you have joy, it's easier to do that, yeah. but it's not impossible to do that even if you're not feeling the best inside. Yeah. Now, the goal, I think, is to get everyone feeling confident and good on the inside, but but I think sometimes um, action needs to come before feelings. And so, you know, I've experimented with this myself because I, I don't think I was very good at this yeah. when I was younger, and I've been more intentional of trying to be likable, not for my benefit too much, but just, you know, like I moved across the country and I needed to make new friends, for yeah, example. Yeah. And so, um, if I wanted to make new friends, I, I, you know, I had to get out there and, and so trying to just take interest in other people and, and be a good listener and kind of reflect back and, and try and, um, give them that feeling, just a, a good, a positive feeling after interacting with me. Yeah. Um, it's something you know, maybe I wasn't in the mood to do that, but right. I, I forced myself sometimes and it, it seemed to work out better. And then it made me feel better too. It made me feel more confident. So yeah. it works in both directions. You said something there that I, that I love. You said sometimes action precedes feelings. Is that, were those words you used? So I feel like- well, not the, not the exact words, but that's reflects it very well. Yeah. yeah. Cause like, <laughs> I, I love that. Cause that's a much smarter way to say it. Cause sometimes I say, I used to fake it until I could make it. Like I would fake mm-hmm. like- these expressions of love and kindness, not fake them, but I would act. So the better way to say is I would act them out first. I would like just force myself to do them. Even if I don't know that my heart was all the way there. Yeah. Because sometimes that cracks the code or sometimes that breaks the seal for us. Where if we could just like, again, just put yourself out there. Even if you feel like awkward doing it or stupid doing it, or someone's going to think you're an idiot for doing it. Right. Like you're, it's on your heart for a reason. It's on your heart to help someone for a reason or be kind to someone for a reason or say something for a reason, you know? And so, like I, so that's a much better way to, because fake it to make it, I feel like feels fake. But yeah. like, I feel like action can precede your feelings, like doing it, like forcing yourself to do it. I feel like that's a better way to look at that. And yeah. I feel like that's our, that's our walk. Cause I, especially in this part of the country, I feel like people here are very stoic and reserved and, you know, the idea of. I don't know, being loving or being expressive about your love, not in a weird way, but like in a kind way. Like that's just not a thing that people do here. Like we're all Swedish or something. I don't know, German, (laughs) something. And so like, it's just something that's weird here. And so 
I'm a, when I'm not a pastor, I'm a wedding photographer. And I, I think it's funny because what I see almost at every wedding is that the groomsmen will have had so much to drink, which is also a Wisconsin thing, <laughs> that they'll feel comfortable expressing their affections for their friends, but they'll do it in such a way that they feel like they're making, like they're poking fun, like they're like, you know, being gay about it or being homosexual about it. Okay. But what I see right through that because what they really want to do is just be close to their friend. They want to express yeah. their friendship with their friend, but because they can't do it when they're sober and they, even when they're drunk, they're like, but if I pretend like this is the gay way to do it, then, and I, I, I don't know. There's a lot there. There's probably a whole nother podcast, but I just, I like, I, I'm sad about people that just don't feel like they can just like be expressive about their feelings. And like, mm -hmm. like that's a lot to bear. And then there's some people yeah. that don't have those feelings, right? There's some people that just couldn't care less, like, <laughs> you know, about anybody else. And then that's, a, again, that's another podcast as well. <laughs> but I just, like, I feel like as Jesus people, I'm, I'm asked to put myself out there and extend love and kindness and generosity. And that if by doing that, I feel like Jesus told me that if I can do that, I'm going to fulfill all the laws anyway. If I can just love my neighbor, like I love myself, even the ones I don't like, I'm going to fulfill every every last one of the 637 laws in the Bible, right? Like I'm just going to fulfill them all just by loving. Like I just, I don't need to pay attention to the details. I just need to follow the love part. I agree. You know, in the midst of all the struggle of the past year, some of us have forgotten that being a Jesus guy or a Jesus girl is fun. Jesus made people laugh all the time. Because you know, it's hard to laugh and be mad at the same time. You ever been in the middle of an argument and suddenly one of you says something that makes the other one of you laugh and then the fight is usually over at that point? because it's almost impossible to laugh and say really mean things at the same time. I think it's God's way of shutting mean people down at least for a minute. Because laughter fixes a lot. It's good medicine and a positive way to live. You can't be negative while you're laughing. Just for the record, I've never ever been in an argument with someone and something happened that made us laugh. I've never ever been. I've never ever I been in this. I was kind of thinking that too. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what kind of fights are you having? <laughs> like, are you at the circus when that happens? Because like, nothing ever funny happens when I'm in an argument with someone. Oh, it's pretty rare. Yeah, yeah. but I, but I do love what he said. Like, like how we should live in such a way that our behaviors exude love and happiness and joy. And so I found a quote this week. Um, I was reading this book um, called Drop the Stones by a guy named Carlos Rodriguez, maybe. He's the founder of the Happy Giver um, like brand and the brand of clothing. He wrote this book called Drop the Stones. And it's all about uh, the story in John when a woman is found in the act of adultery. And so they drag her into the city center and they throw her before Jesus and ask him what they should do, right? So it's all about that, right? So drop the stones. And so... Um, Anyway, in one of the chapters, he starts off with a quote that he found on Twitter that said, "We should our faith should be the kind of faith that people that don't know our faith should should like press their faces and their hands against the windows into our spaces and wish that they could have that kind of joy or that kind of happiness as well." And not, not that they're not welcome to come in because I want everyone to come in, but I love right. that idea that people I want them to see that in me. Yeah. Like, what's so different about Scott? Like, I want what Scott has. Like, whatever how, whatever Scott's got figured out, I want to know that answer because I want that for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's living the gospel as best as I can. Like I'm not a evangelist where I could go door to door and ask people if they're going to go to hell or heaven if they died today. Like I'm not, that's not who I'm at. You know, like I just, I can't do that. But I, I am capable of loving. 
And so right. like, I want people to just be inspired by that and say, tell me what you've got. Right. Tell me what made the difference in your life. You're leading by example. Right. Yeah. And I just yeah. like, I, so I love when he talks about that. That's who Jesus was, that he, you know, yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't right. trying to pick a fight. In fact, the only people he picked a fight with were like the religious leaders that thought that he was going too far. He was including people that he shouldn't include. And I'm like, I think that's everybody. Like, I think it's, I think it's everybody. I, I, um, I probably spend too much time on social media, but I try to be positive on there as well. And so I've gotten good at not reading the comments for the most part. But like I posted something about, I don't remember what it was now. And oh, I remember what it was. It was like, God hates hate. And so I, I had a picture of the Westboro Baptist people protest a lot. Uh, and they like, they put a lot of things that God hates, like God hates these kind of people and God hates oh, these kind of people and God sure. hates these kind of people. And so then I like Photoshopped in like Michelangelo's God. And instead of like just put, touching Adam's finger, he was holding a spray paint can. And he was like three spray painting over the signs that says God hates hate, you know? And so I, like, and I just thought that was like an encouraging thing. Right. But then like people got onto it and like this guy who argues with me a lot on the Facebook was like, Oh, so like the, like this particular kind of people, they're not a problem with God anymore because I feel like you just said last week that these people were a problem, right? And like, a, and I, he's like, why are you always, I'm like, why do you always want to pick a fight? Like, what are you trying to gain? Like, I don't think you're trying to gain knowledge. I should tell you that you're never ever going to change my mind. Like, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to point right. me in a, in a different direction. I'm pretty sold on this Jesus thing. I think <laughs> I'm going to stick with it. And so like, I'm not sure like what your point is because you're not looking for clarification. You're just looking, you know, and so, because it was like, it was, it was about, uh, it was about gays and homosexuals. And so I was like, it brought up another conversation about that. Um, where I was like, I, I wish I had a decent answer for that. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't, because I feel like there's so many other things that are pointed out in the Bible that are sins that, sorry, this is probably not going to be in your notes, but I'd love <laughs> your opinion on this. So, um, but like, I feel like so many other sins in the Bible talk about like things that are hurtful, like don't kill, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or don't steal or don't lie, right? There's, right. it seems like there's a victim to them. And I don't know if that's true of all of them, but then it's hard for me because I like, like, I mean, like I know gay people and I'm like, these are good people. Right. Like they're not, I mean, they're not malicious or they're sinister in what they're trying sure. to accomplish, right? They just kind of, they feel, and I tend to believe them, that they're made to love like, like people with the same plumbing. And so like, I don't understand it. I'm sh I'm positive what the Bible says about it, but I don't get it. And so I feel like I'm going to, like I wrestle with God over that. I feel like when I get to heaven, I'm going to punch him in the arm and say, <laughs> hey, tell me right. more about this because it doesn't right. make sense to me. Yeah. So, and so I, I said in this post, I said, so, you know, if, if a gay couple were at our church and they're all welcome at my church, if they're gay, and, but they wanted to be married at my church, I don't know that I could do that. Because in the end, I have to, I have to buy what the Bible says, that, that, that that's an affront to God, like other things, right? And so, I, and I do those other things, and I hate those things about me. Like, I hate, I hate the things that I do. Like, I, there's plenty, there's plenty. And so I hate them, and I'm trying to get better at it every day. But I feel like this would be that one thing, because there is no victim to it. I can't say I'm going to stop doing this. Like, you're still pursuing that. So if, like, if there's a gay couple that wanted to get married because they love each other, they want to pursue that. Like, I love that they have the civil right to do that. Mm -hmm. If you ask me that if, if I can bless it, you know, in the name of God, I can't do that, you know? But again, that's because like I've married people, I'm sure I've married people that have slept together before or that cheated on their taxes the year before. I'm sure of it. 
You know, so why did I why did I not object to that? I don't know. Sure. Again, I'm wrestling with this. Yeah. But yeah. if but if the same gay couple asked me to be at the wedding, yes, I would totally 100% be, this is where right. I was going, right? I would totally 100% be there and I would fight anybody that objected or anybody that tried to stand in their way. I yeah. would fight them, right? Like yeah. for sure I would fight them. And so it's a, it's a, you know there's these are different lines. And so like when the religious people came at Jesus and were mad at who he was hanging out with, I'm like, I think he was hanging out with the people he was supposed to hang out with. You're mad that he's not hanging out with you because you feel like, I don't know, because of how you lived your life, that you're entitled to Jesus sitting down with you. And I'm like, that's not why Jesus came. He didn't come down to sit with you, right? He came to show love to everybody. And so, I don't know. I don't, what was my point? I don't know. I just feel like he was talking about why Jesus was at the wedding and it's because he was invited. That's really what it comes down to. And so I feel like Lori's right. scrambling right. through her notes right now. I don't have I any of this. I a different direction, but that's okay. <laughs> I just feel like it's, it's, it's a difficult thing, but it's, it's a very real place of where we're at as people of faith, as Jesus people. These are real questions that we have to really answer, yeah. right? So you can't, yeah. Because I feel like, especially in this in this environment, I'm talking way too much. So you can jump in at any time. But I feel like, I feel like, especially like in the in the recent political climate, right? Like that's like there's a lot of people that associate their faith with their politics. I don't know. Jesus ever did that? I don't feel like that's like, like I don't. I don't. I don't, yeah. I don't think. I don't think so. I like I feel I like if it if if I have to decide between between. And I've served my country. Like I love my country. My right. dad served my country. My son served my country. Like I love my country. Yeah. Not before I love my God, like not, you know sure. what I mean? And so if God tells me to like love everybody and, you know, show my love for everybody, I'm doing that. And if my nationalistic pride tells me to do otherwise, I'm going to default to what Jesus told me to do before I default to what my party tells me to do or sure, something yeah. like that. You know, and I just, I don't know, it's a really upside down time right now for Jesus people. I really feel like there's a, like a, I feel pardon the pun, there's like a come to Jesus moment that's happening right now. Where like we have to start yeah. deciding like what we're standing for. Right. And so, and we should be standing for truth and love and justice. Like I'm not saying that God's a love and like we all get in. Like we don't all get in. Like we all have to repent from our sins and we all have to ask Jesus into our heart. And we have to say like, help me be a better person and not to do those crappy things. Help me to stop eating Oreos for a second. Help me to stop, <laughs> you know, being mad at drivers when I'm driving. Help me to stop looking you know, in my relationship with my wife is ways that she might be shortchanging me. Like stop, help me stop being that, right? I have to hate that about myself. And so if I can hate that about myself and continue to try to change, my salvation is assured. And so I'm going to spend my time loving everybody. So don't hear me say that everyone gets in and that we're all, all Jesus was, was about love and everyone gets to go. And that that's not true. There's going to be justice and there's going to be a reckoning for sure. But like yeah. that reckoning, that's above my pay grade. You know, that's above my job description. So that's not my job to judge. It's not my job to condemn. It's not my job to hoist a picket sign or it's not my job to point someone's crappy crap out until, until like back to this thing, I could, I could throw a stone because I'm unsinning. I'm sinless <laughs> is the word, right? Until I'm sinless, I, I should not be carrying any stones to throw at anybody else. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I love the, the reminder in that message about fun and laughter. <laughs> yes, we, sorry. Yeah. Thanks for bringing us back to that, Lori. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, I think, gosh, we listened to it a few minutes ago, but. <laughs> nice. Isn't Lori a big snotty pants? Like what the, the yeah, way before I you started talking. Your, it was saying, just, God really wants to shut down the mean and negative. Right. That's yes. where you're going, right? Yeah, it is. Right. It is. Yes. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I, I mean, I guess what I was really reflecting on with this was, was more of the reminder. Cause this is what I need. It's the reminder to have fun and like laughter and fun. And yeah. sometimes I get really serious. Um, and just like, you work, seem serious. Work. You seem like a serious person. I'm naturally a serious person. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, before I came down, I said, they were asking about who was on the show. And I said, it's Laura Serrato. And I said, I'm super intimidated by her. Cause I feel like you're serious and I'm like, whatever the like opposite of I've, serious. I've noticed that. Like I've sensed that. And then I get nervous cause I don't want to make you nervous. Yeah. Yeah. It's I really think it's cause weird. I'm an awkward person. Oh <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's all super weird. Cause if you could see her, like she's got this, like she's perfect. And so like, she kind of just like carries herself like with this like authority and like, I don't know. She's always super put together. In fact, I said something before with the show. I'm like, <laughs> you're just wearing pants today. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you just like pants. They're just drawstring pants. I was like, that's super weird. Cause like, anyway. COVID times, you need the drawstring. Right? I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. My point was, is that like, it's funny how we see ourselves and how other people see us. Right. For you sure. Know? And so, and like, and people will take what they know and they'll start adding things up and it's not true math. So my math on you is not true math. Like we've never, like the four of us, you and your husband and me and my wife, we've never gone out and like gone bowling or something. So I don't, yeah. I don't know you on that level. And so, like, so I'm, so I try to deduct what I can or deduce what I can from your appearance, how you carry yourself, what I know about you. And so all those things are like, oh yeah, Scott, like she's, <laughs> why would you even sit down with this chick? Because oh she's like gosh. super smart. She's super professional. No, she's no, super no. serious. I'm, she's I'm super... shocked you invited me. I'm, I'm, I'm super flattered yeah. to yeah. be here, but I did have like a quick little story along, yeah. along the lines of this because, um, you know, uh, kind of, again, going back to thinking about kids and anyone in the audience who has kids and just how fun or silliness can totally turn things around in a great way, <laughs> whether it's even a song, just put it on music in the background. But um, yesterday, um, two of my girls were at a sleepover and then I picked them up and we came straight to church. Uh after the sleepover, which means they did not sleep much. Right, and they were right. cranky. <laughs> um, but I, I volunteer in, in kids' church. Right. So I, I had to show up, you know, like I was not not coming. And, but it's amazing how they could be, like they were literally crying as we were getting out of the car because, mm -hmm. you know, one bumped the other, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, they were crying as we were walking into church. But the second, like we get into kids' church, it's so fun there. Right. And, they, they just, you know, they shook it off. They, they had a great time. They relaxed. Um, they, you know, the joy came around. Right, right? right. And so sometimes remembering, you don't, I mean, as a psychotherapist, of course, you know, talking things out, it can be important, but, but sometimes you don't have to, sometimes yeah. you just need to go have fun and reconnect and, yeah. and that's it. And I feel like that's people's experience like adults when they come into big church, right? Like yeah. they're like the lights and the music, right? And Sean, all that's part of like the formula mm -hmm. that helps them forget about like what was making them cranky or staying up too late or, you know, I don't know, yeah. like having enough of a shower time or whatever it is, like they helps them forget. So they feel like yeah. they'll call this their special place, right? And so they'll yeah. equate that to that. And, and I guess that's, that's okay for kids, but as an adult, right? Like, hey, like start identifying those things. You know what I mean? Like, hey, yeah. identify what it is about this space that relieves pressure from you or makes you forget about your things because you need to not just do that for an hour on a Sunday. Like there's the That's other true. 167 hours of your week that if you're struggling, yeah. like find out what's making you connect here, what's bringing you joy here and find a way to build that in other parts of your life. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, like that. But she says something to the servers that is solid gold. She says, do whatever he tells you. Mm. Do 
whatever he tells you. I mean, she didn't know what he was gonna do, but she knew to do whatever he tells you to do. And those servers, they had a choice. You know, the servers don't get a lot of credit, but they played a huge role in this miracle. When they submitted their wills and abilities to Jesus, the miracle took place and Jesus' ministry began. They could have easily said, what? Fill the pots with water? Come on, man, what's that gonna do? But they knew, do whatever he tells you. So they found the pots. And as long as they found empty vessels, the miracle continued. You know, I wonder how many miracles have been missed because people didn't submit their will and ability to Jesus and stopped finding or being empty vessels. I feel like this is your most full note card on this particular topic. So I'd love to, I'd love to know what you wrote down Gosh. here. Okay, well, you know, I think this one was the most challenging one for me because, you know, I got the sneak peek of what we were going to talk about today. And so I listened to it a few times. And the first time listening to this one, um, those internal guards went up because mm. the, the idea, the, I think the word submit can be triggering. I see. Um, but then I listened to it again and again. And then I moved, I shifted, you know, I moved towards how like I've experienced this in a very positive way as mm. well. And so um, I, I guess maybe it comes down to, there's a difference between submitting with a with a purpose and submitting without a purpose or, or maybe just like, I, I guess, okay, so I'll, I'll back up. The triggering way, I think of maybe more abuse of power, mm. right? Like um, way back, um, when I was in college, I volunteered at a restraining order clinic of all places. And Yikes. I helped people write paperwork to try and get a restraining order. And it, I mean, oh my I heard some wild, awful yeah. stories of control right. <laughs> and power. And, and so in that context, like submitting is like, oh, don't do that. Fight, fight. But that obviously Jesus and God, that's not the context at all. This yeah. is, you know, for much greater purpose. And, and then, so the shift came when I realized, you know, when I first car started coming to Life Church, um, I was in a big transition point for my life, of course, with moving, but then also um, like thinking about if I wanted to have my own business and, and start that journey. And um, coming to Life Church, whenever I came here, I felt peace and maybe maybe a little bit of confidence that like, mm. even if I didn't have what it takes, like, you know, God, I felt this push, like something, God, Jesus was telling me, like, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep moving forward. You may have no clue what you're really doing yeah. or why you're doing it. Um, and actually it didn't even make sense for me to start doing these kid classes online. That was just like, oh, I'll just dabble here and you know, just play around, but that was not really my plan. But what happened, cause I just, I don't know, I, I had this trust, like I'm supposed to do this for some reason. And, and I got that from coming to church, but I was positioned, I was set up and ready to go when, when COVID hit, sure. that when there was a huge rush of kids suddenly at home who needed my support, I was, I was there and I was ready. And that's the only reason why I've been successful, I think, is because I was ready to go. Like my preparation um, happened when there was this opportunity to actually serve 
those kids and those families in that way that if I had tried to figure it out <laughs> after COVID had right. happened, right. when yeah. my own kids were home, uh, it, it, it wouldn't have happened. Wow. So I, I, I feel like I owe that initial success, if, if I can call it that, um, really to just trusting what I felt when I came to church and trusting God. Yeah, that's beautiful. Like that's, Thanks. I mean, that's a testimony, right? I mean, that's- I, I think so. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, for sure though. Like, cause I, I mean, that's amazing. I, I get what you're saying about um, submission, but I feel like once, once we feel like we can trust God, then it's not even a matter of submission anymore. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. well, of course that's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And so like, I feel like I've never had the experience that, like you, that's a lie. You know, like, I feel like, I mean, COVID makes everything sharp. Like, I feel like, cause it's so recent, right. And it's just such yeah. a distinct moment, March 11th, right. Like everything. Right. And so, but I feel like, I mean, like I've had moments like that. And then when I look back, I realize that God's been doing that a lot. Like, and it might not be huge moments, but it, it, they've always been moves that have moved me forward and made sure that I was taken care of, you know? And like, I, I I mean, I've had times in my life where I was, like when I was in San Diego, I wasn't an officer. So like I was always broke. And so like we had a car repossessed. We had a really sweet 1988 Suzuki Samurai. It was emerald green. I loved that car. I like that color. Yeah, it was cool. Anyway, <laughs> that car got repossessed. We had a really sweet Honda scooter, a Honda Elite 150 with a pop-up headlight. It was, the commercials were uh, Lou Reed's, I don't even know what the song that was. It was, the, it was the sax solo from Lou Reed's song. But then it was like Jim McMahon, I think, was in the... Anyway, like those <laughs> scooters were dope. Anyway, we had that repossessed, right? We filed bankruptcy in San Diego. I ended up being what essentially is homeless. Like I, like I benefited from having friends that had extra room in their basement. But I mean, it wasn't like a basement studio. It was like yeah. a basement. You could sleep in the basement, I guess. And yeah. so, like, I, I mean, so it's not like a... Like I've had a charmed life, but like somehow or another, God just always saw to me. And so when I think about submitting to him, I feel like it's easier for me to defer to him or to have deference. Is that the right way to say that towards him? You would do CSD. Like, I feel like you should know all these words. Anyway. I'm not a big word person. Oh, gotcha. I think. So I feel like, but I can defer to him. Like I can just trust him. Like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, I'll submit to this, you know, but again, I'm a middle-class white guy. Right. And so like submission isn't a thing for me. Like it doesn't, it doesn't carry any weight for me, you know? And so yeah. again, that's the thing though, that we don't think about. Like, I feel like that's, I got to stop getting into these rabbit trails of conversation <laughs> anyway. But yeah, I love, I love what you had to say about that. That was, that was really fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. I'm going to get myself in so much trouble. Can you imagine living your life with the faith to say, I'll do whatever Jesus tells me to do? That's how you discover real joy. Are you doing that? Are you submitting your will and abilities to Jesus? Are you continually presenting yourself as an empty vessel? Hey. Okay. Closely related to the last one. But I, I think for me, what comes up the most here is there's peace, there's relief in submitting to Jesus. That um, I believe that it releases a lot of anxiety 
of especially the things you cannot control if right. you just submit to Jesus and let it go and yeah. it's it's off of you and you trust that it's all for good. Yeah, there's like a, a weight of responsibility that's that you don't carry. And he talks about that. Like he paints those pictures a lot. Like his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And like he talks in that kind of language a lot about how if we if we just if we just hold up our end, our end is the light end. You know, it's like carrying a desk, and there's one side of the desk that's just the legs and the top, and there's at the end of the desk that's all the drawers and everything. Like he carries the end with all the drawers and everything. We just have the end, yeah. You know, and so we don't have to carry that weight. We don't have to like be burdened by that. And I love your idea that that's freedom. Like there's freedom in that. There's relief in that. There's absolutely is. You know, liberty. I think of my kids, and I think of my why for even coming back to church with them. Cause I mean, I grew up Catholic and we did the whole church thing my whole life, but you know, come, come college, <laughs> didn't really do the church sure. thing for quite yep. a while. It wasn't until i um, having kids, but then more especially finding life church that I really wanted to bring them around. And, and I think my deepest reason for that is because I know I cannot always be with them. I cannot always protect them. Um, but, but Jesus can, and yeah. I want to give them or at least lead them to that relationship of that one who can always be there for them no matter what. And I'll try my best, but I know I, I can't do that the way God can. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah, and I feel like it's while they're young, right? So like my kids are getting older now, right? 12 and 15. And so like, I feel like there was these uh, rockets when I was a kid. They were Estes rockets. And so they like, it was like a rocket shaped piece of cardboard, like a toilet paper roll. And then there was like this little like fuel thing that you'd put in the bottom. And then you would put it on a launch pad that was just a long wire stuck into a block of wood. And so that long wire, I feel like that's our parenthood, right? And so like, all, like you can't just set the rocket on the platform and light it and because it would go everywhere. Like you have to get it started, right? Yeah. And that was what the wire did. Like you slid the rocket down this wire. And so for the first you know, six inches of its flight, it had a direction. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's really what parenthood is, is that we're just, we've got those first, you know, six or eight inches of wire that we can get them going in the right direction. They're just going to go everywhere. And so, like, I love that idea. Like, I love that idea that that, that's, I got, I got in those six or eight inches, I've got to get it all in. I've got to make sure that they know, that they see how it's worked in my life and how it can work in their lives. And then, because like like you said, once you get college, right, then they're going to go everywhere, right? But at least (laughs) their trajectory, hopefully, you know, is is such a stratosphere that Jesus is still attainable for them. Of course he is. But, you know, I just, I feel like that's part of it. Like, we just, you got to get it all in before they leave. Like, before, and I feel like, even though they don't technically leave, I feel like they start leaving in high school. Like they start, you know, you don't, yeah, you know, yeah, because I mean, they're starting to become people, right? Developmentally, they're right. they're gonna start pushing away, right. and yeah. and that's actually the best time to let them have a little more of that freedom, so, right? Because yeah, you know, yeah, that's good, that's good. But I love this idea that you paint of how we have to make sure that we instill it into our kids that they've got to know, you know, and it's not. For me growing up, it was like, you better behave. Like, I felt like Jesus and God were just like a super um, powerful Santa, right? Like, they know when I'm being naughty or nice, right? They know yeah, if I've been right. sleeping. And so, like, I got to keep that clean. Otherwise, I'm going to go to hell. Like, that was the extent of how I was raised to know who Jesus was. Like, this right. loving Jesus or kind Jesus or this guiding Jesus or this counseling Jesus, that was never a thing. 
It was never ever a thing. Yeah. It was just like, do this or you're going to go to hell. <laughs> like, and that's like a horrible, right. horrible way to know Jesus. And so anyway, so I love the fact that you're, that you're parenting that way and that, you know, that, that I feel like the more of us that can do that, I think the better kids that we're going to create, you know? Absolutely. What else did you have in your fancy notes? I feel like you've got super fancy notes. You know, that covered most of it, except for this one thing. I think joy is being a resilient Jesus follower. That was my like final statement in all of this. Yeah, no, I love that. It's absolutely true. And it's just like I said in that message, like we have joy because we have hope and we have hope because we have Jesus. We know how it always ends. Every time it's ended perfectly for me. Like not what I wanted or not what I thought I needed every time, but every time it was perfect, Yeah. right? And so like how many times can that happen before you start believing it? You know, so that's the hope. And so I have joy because I have hope. I have hope because I have Jesus. And that's the end of that equation. And just lean into that. Trust the process. Trust the process. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's so, so good. And you were really good at this. Oh, Do you have your own podcast? Like, what's even happening right oh, now? Wait, thank you. I no. feel like you should have your own podcast. Oh, maybe. Yeah, because yeah, you're, like, super great on the mic. And, like, you know what you're saying. Everything you can get in note cards. Who even has note cards? <laughs> oh, oh my you. gosh. Anyway, thanks for joining us for this episode of Chew on That. I hope that you enjoyed yourself. I hope that you found a good message here. In fact, if you feel like these words might benefit somebody else, like please share it on social media. Just like share the link uh, from any of your favorite podcast platforms. It would mean a lot to us if you liked, uh, subscribed to our podcast and rated it and reviewed it. More and more people will see it. The more and more people rate and review it. We love that you're part of our family. I can't wait to talk to you again next time. Thanks for joining us.